Hey guys, here we are at Horror Movie Survival Guide. Nope, try that again. Take that was great. <laughs> That's really how it is, though, because you know what? We can't see each other right now, Julia, because we here at Horror Movie Survival Guide are recording remotely right now. So uh, because of, you know, um, a little thing called the corona um, is going around. And so we are doing our part to um, shelter in place and, and stay safe and keep our social distance with our friends and family. And that includes our friends that we record with together. Yeah, um, it's very weird to not be looking at your face while I'm doing this show because we are always right across the table from each other. Yep. Uh, but of course, we are in quarantine as if in the horror movie ourselves. one might say. And here to do our best are trying to record uh, from three different locations. Our, our producer Wes is also here. So we just wanted to give you a little disclaimer and let you guys know that um, we are doing our best to give you the best sound and quality that we can uh, with our equipment from home. So if it doesn't sound like the pod usually does, that's why. Uh, but we love you and we are still happy to give you content and bring out fresh shows each week um, as long as we can. And it's feasible and possible. We do appreciate your support and your understanding. Of course. And so, yes, just be a little generous with any technical glitches you might hear. We, uh, we hope you know that we're trying to give you something to give you a little bit of cheer in this kind of dreary time. But we're here for you and we love you guys. And we are so happy to have you as listeners. Stay safe and healthy and enjoy the show. Horror Movie Survival Guide is a weekly podcast where I, gorehound Julia Marchesi, delves into my horror notebook to corrupt one of my longtime chums, Terry Gamble, who is hiding in the creepy horror closet. My mission is to learn the gospel of horror movie survival and to incorporate Julia's wealth of wisdom to become a final girl disciple. Join us as we take a deep dive into everything from OG horror to newly released films, but preferably classics on VHS. We'll talk about obscure details that no one else notices, spin off into alternate casting universes, crush on some dodgy, foxy fellows, and creepy uncles, and arm ourselves with the knowledge necessary to become the, the final girl. Welcome to what? Do it. Oh, horror it. movie survival guide. Hi. <laughs> Hi. That's Terry. I'm Julia. Wait, that's Julia. Uh, this week we're going to be talking about 1942's Cat, Cat People. People. Uh, the title of this episode is I Love Loneliness. I Love Loneliness. Uh, and the uh tagline for this movie she was marked with the curse of those who slink and court and kiss by night that's pretty hot it's pretty 1942 it it. is very 1942 like (laughs) and this and this and this shock (laughs) exclamation point uh this movie was written by dewitt bodine quite a name and directed by jacques tournier uh, and stars the exquisite Simone Simon as Irina and Ken Smith Ugh. as Oliver. She's stunning. She is so hot. She's she, so beautiful. And you see her face. It's amazing because you, you see her face and you think, oh, cat. But in the most beautiful way possible. Elegant cat. Yes. Like she's the queen, like Sheba cat. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Though, like just gorgeous her hair is perfect her little turned up kind of nose the way her eyes are set she does she has those cat eyes she's stunning and her perfect little mouth little bow of a mouth and her little accent which is interesting because you don't get a lot of accents in this time period from a romantic lead 
like right? you might get it from like from like yeah you might get it from that right that's like one but, like, like one movie i can think of that's it shoot <laughs> i mean you have your marlene dietrichs and your greta garbos but you right. you know i guess the, this is also interesting she's serbian which is something that you don't often that's not a, a nationality that's very well often i can't think of another movie where i'm just like <laughs> that lead that hot romantic lead was serbian i don't like in america i don't i can't think of which anything else bad. off the top of my head, so, which is too bad. I would like more Serbian representation is what I'm saying. Yes, please. <laughs> please more. Um, and not a Serbian film. That's not what we're talking about. Uh, so there is a sequel to this film uh, that was made in 1944, uh, which is The Curse of the Cat People. Ah. So, and then, of course, there's a remake in 1982 as well, which I've also seen. And it's a good mo- movie and a, a pretty faithful adaptation of this. Um, so this film was made for a very low budget uh, very quickly. And so not all the sets could be built. So they reused some of the sets from Magnificent Ambersons, uh, which, if you have not seen, is, you know, the Orson Welles kind of uh, underdog, but is uh, also a great film with Joseph Cotton being incredible. That's awesome. Um, I was wondering about like all the dark scenes that are in this film too, because a lot of the scenes have a lot of shadow. So I was wondering maybe that was a budgetary thing then too. Uh They were just like, can use less lights and uh, make it look like a different place if it's all covered in dark. (laughs) Sure. You know, we also have this very film noir kind of shadows and light kind of playing with that. So I love that this film opens up with a quote from one of the characters from the film, uh, Dr. Lewis Judd who is the big uh, fancy pants psychiatrist in this film. Uh, The opening quote is, even as fog continues to lie in the valleys, so does ancient sin cling to the low places, the depressions in the world, consciousness. And it comes from the anatomy of atavism by Dr. Lewis Judd. So that is our opening quote. And you go, okay, all right, we got some ancient sin clinging to some low places. Let's see what that means. Um, And we almost, uh, we, immediately meet uh irena who is in the zoo sketching a panther she's adorable she's like like an art student you know with her little sketch pad throwing her sketches away (laughs) like she's like oh not good enough and she aims and throws towards this trash can and and misses terribly but she doesn't really miss (laughs) because there's a cute guy right there waiting to just pick up her trash Um, but comes over and gives her shit about it i was like hey you can't be littering uh, but it turns into this very cute, meet cute. Oh, he's right? definitely l- flirting about it. He's like doing the like classic like neg, you know, like you got to <laughs> like kind of like knock her down a second to see like that's the little flirting, like oh, you didn't do a good job. How dare you throw it away like that? But you also, know? Uh, why don't you I show don't... me what you're sketching? Cute I wrote girl. trashy flirt is what I put. <laughs> a trash can mute meet cute. You don't get those very often, but we get one here in Cat People. Yes. So it turns out that she's not an art student, as we uh, thought. She is actually a fashion designer who does sketches of dresses and whatnot. Um, and the, 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 there's one of the pages that we see here, she tears up and throws on the ground that we see as it blows away is a picture of a Panther with a big knife sticking through its heart. And we got to not skip that, that right by him was this little like plaque or little sign that had a little quote on it. That was part of his little uh, lead in line to her too, that said, let no one say and say it to your shame that all was beauty here until you came. Ooh. So like, it's like the scene doesn't compare to how hot you are. Yeah. But it's also like a great subtle, please don't litter that would not work in today's society at all. Right now. Now we just have a picture of like a guy littering with a crossbar through it. (laughs) You know, (laughs) that's what we're reduced to. Shines lack poetry, I guess. Yeah. But they're also universal for people who do not read or maybe necessarily don't speak the same language as well. So there's something to be said. 
No. Uh, so we find out she is uh, Irina Dubrova. She's from Serbia. Um, and he's kind of, you know, as she's why he's walking her home and he's trying to like. He walks her yeah. home right away. They literally just met. Can we talk about this? I was like, these are things that could not happen now. Like you just met this guy and he's like, oh, I'll walk you home. That, I let that happen. <laughs> oh, do you? I'm like, I don't want you to know who my, my house is unless like they've literally talked for two seconds picked up trash and then they walked she's like and you can come upstairs and come inside i was like girl hey man this is tinder man you invite people over without even seeing them in real life first like what i mean but at least you've like had like maybe hopefully a conversation Mm -hmm. you know maybe a little like share i I guess about i like this about arena because she comes off at first as very kind of shy and and blushing right as he's talking to her but then it's just like hey come on come on up for tea and you're like whoa I was 1942. Like, That's what I thought. Yeah, it's 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 a it's quite a an offer. But her apartment is rad. You go in, you're like, damn though. Like she's got cool statues and shit, and she's got like beautiful like um like the room divider thing that's got like this like cool kind of print on it of this like panther thing, and it's a pretty dope apartment. It is. And like, you think about it, like these are, you know, these movies from the thirties and forties where you have these people and sometimes they're, you know, very rich characters, but often it's like the tortured artist, right. Who lives in an apartment like this. And you're like, in what universe can you afford this apartment? Is this what apartments were just like? Like I look at my little tiny apartment. I'm like, what? I pay this. No, nah, it's you're still the- that for that. I think it's still the movies because they still do that shit now where you're like yeah. Carrie Bradshaw, like as a writer <laughs> at that whatever publication. She could not buy all those Jimmy Choo's. Like, honestly, like on her real salary, like you break it down. You're like, no, 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 no. I feel like a lot of shows are still very aspirational. I think that was always the case of Hollywood. Yes. <laughs> movies, you know, everything's bigger, better, more beautiful. So she uh, invites him in for tea. She says that he's the, he's the first friend that she's made in America. So she's obviously kept to herself. Uh, she, he, he mentions as she walks in that her perfume is very uh, beautiful and that you can smell it in her house. Uh, it's like, he says it's warm. Warm, like something living is what it smells like. Yeah. Lalage is the name of her perfume. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's actually she, said Lolly. Look at me. Oh, Lalage. I, oh, I had subtitles on. So even I, I did too, but I don't, I guess I didn't, I missed that one. It's okay. Uh, so <laughs> she has this uh, statue in the, in the, and she, the, of her house of the King John of Serbia, the statue of King John looking very valiant on the back of a statue of a horse. And uh, he's with, spearing a freaking cat. Yeah. So he's, he's like, so what's this, uh, weird statue you have? And so she goes into the story about King John. He's this very uh, great King who came in and her village used to be full of devil worshipers and witches. Uh, and he came in and cleaned out her village of all these people, but there were the ones, the wicked ones who were wise and escaped, uh, into the mountains. So there's, and then her Serbian village was then haunted forevermore after this. And you look at her face and you're like, oh, she's seen some shit. <laughs> like, yeah, she looks she like tortured. Definitely believes it. Like this is not like, um, it's funny. I was just thinking about I, when I was in the Czech Republic a few years back working on a circus show, we were in this little mountain town in the middle of nowhere, Eastern Europe. And they had this whole mythology about a dragon, like being slayed in the town. And like, they literally have a dragon museum and like, you know, like they have like in the, in the little, um, like, uh, city center, like their little plaza has a big dragon on the side of the clock tower. Like they're very invested in this. And it made me think about that experience Mm -hmm. of like this little European town, Eastern European town, like getting invaded by something crazy. And 
this is the story of someone who has slayed the thing and that's what they name the place after or who they vilify later. Yeah. Um, so they have this kind of cute moment where, you know, they've had the tea, they've had the conversation, they're kind of looking at each other and eh, what's going to happen next. But he does a very, ah, boys who come to tea can't accept, expect to stay for dinner. And you're like, that's right, sir. Not too far. You just, you get a little tease and then you're out. You played it just um, right. And then, but they make a plan for dinner tomorrow they right do. away. He was she looks very, yeah. She mm-hmm. looks very pleased. Um, but he's so excited. I feel like this is going way too far. Buys her a kitten for the second date. I was like, okay, Ooh. yeah. This is the part where I was like, well, it's because they were talking about cats, though, because in the apartment, which we didn't talk about, is that, you know, it's kind of dark as they hang out. All of a sudden they cut to it, it was very, very dark. And there was like, oh, they're just sitting in the dark. She's like, oh, I didn't realize it got so dark. And she turns on, you know, a little light for him. But you can, she hear- can see in the dark. Yeah, because she can see in the dark, maybe. Um, but they um, turn on, um, she hears these sounds um, from the zoo that's really close by around the corner from her of the cat house. And you hear these kind of like purrs and arrows out there but she seems really like soothed by them yeah she says she really likes the lions roaring that really soothes her but she doesn't like the panther because the panther sounds like a woman screaming so she's not into that and she does of course have kind of panther themed things throughout her house um but nonetheless buys her kitten for the second date which i was like that's a bold step yeah, because I wouldn't you're, be so happy with that. Like, she could be allergic. Like, that's like a big yeah. step. That's like, you know, two years in, you're about to get engaged. Here's Merry Christmas. Here's a kitten. Or even back in the day, that's like even six months in. Like, you know what she likes. Do you know what I mean, yeah. though? And like, maybe you're going to move in together. Like, let's get a cat. No. But he must have been so smitten by this kitten that he went out and bought her an actual kitten. Uh, we see that he works at, uh, he's an arch- architect, I believe. Yeah, he works do- building ships. He's an architect for ships and shipbuilding. Is um, there a special name for that or is it just maritime architecture? That sounded classy as hell. I'm going to go with yeah. that. Maritime right. architecture. That's like where we went to the Queen Mary when we looked mm-hmm. at all the like architecture there when we were at the, um, the haunted Queen Mary nights. Yeah. Yeah. Dark Harbor. Yeah. Uh, so he buys her a kitten, uh, but takes it to her, and the cat uh, hisses and and gets away. And um, the, she says, uh, "Cats don't like me. Cats don't <laughs> like me." So the why don't we just go exchange this for another pet? He'll get something else. So they go to the pet store, uh, and they walk in together. And the second she walks in, the, the animals start going bananas. All of the animals, like every single one of them, are all the screeching, birds, all howling, the cats, all the dogs, everything's going crazy. Uh, so she walks out uh, and lets him go back in. And when he goes back in, it's fine. And so the pet, the pet shop owner says the animals are ever so psychic. And there's some people who just can't come in here. You can fool anybody, but you can't fool a cat. They know who's just not right. They seem to know who's not right. And this yes. little old lady is giving wisdom to this guy. <laughs> and she talks about like, I mean, she gives a little jab. I think it's like at her sister-in-law. She's like, she can't come in here either, basically. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and um, there's people that have problems with it. But they ended up exchanging for a sweet little canary. Um, he picks it out from afar because Irina can't get back in there. Um, and she talks about how she likes to be liked, you know, and that, mm-hmm. that she would like something that likes her. So uh, they end up hanging out. Uh-huh. Yeah, she looks happy with a little bird. No yeah. problem there. And they end up, of course, she's uh, kind of excited about this bird. And they end up hanging out in the dark again. And really quickly, we cut to he ask um, if she loves him. Mm-hmm. I was like, didn't they just meet? But she's like, yeah, I never wanted to love you, but I do. 
she it's painful because she can tell that she's really tortured about it. Like she doesn't really want to fall in love, but she is already smitten as well. Yes. So they end up, uh, want, uh, he, they're going to get married, even mm-hmm. though again, second date just met, uh, but they have never kissed, which I feel I would not marry somebody that I hadn't kissed. I mean, I understand we're living in a different time. You're maybe not going to have sex before marriage. I get it. But kissing. Yeah, people still kissed IRL, but who yeah. knows? But this is, she's got some very, very distinct boundaries. And she lets him know, like, that's in that speech too, where like, I didn't want to love you because I've kind of put up walls because I didn't think I could do this. Um, yes. And I wasn't ready. And I just didn't think I, it would ever be something that would be viable in my life, basically. Um, I guess I feel like if I was going to marry somebody, I know this is, you know, you just met and now you're smitten and now you're in love and now you're getting married. But I would have to know, like, if you don't want to kiss me, you got to tell me why there has to be a reason. And she's just kind of evasive about it. And we, well, she just we says, be later. gentle with me. Like he's getting like, maybe like something really crazy happened to her. Do you know what I mean? Though, like you get, she had trauma, even the way she told the village story, you know, like she's dealing with some serious trauma in her life. And so he's willing to be gentle and wait, you know? Um, and I think it's interesting too, because like there is a, you know, a very broad spectrum of human sexuality as well that I think we have, more conversation and words for now than even then. But there's some people who are romantic, but, you know, asexual in a certain way. And so maybe she could have be one of those people that kind of falls on that spectrum and isn't really able to communicate that, mm-hmm. um, that yes, I love your companionship and I want to be near you, but I literally can't be in the same room with you at night. I need a separate bed and I don't actually ever want to have sex with you. Um, but she does see, seem like she wants to, mm-hmm. right. You should probably have before you get before you get married. Probably he, deeper than he, what they did. Yes, because you know he he does seem a little blindsided by it. Um, but I'm, I am glad that you brought that up. That's very uh, a point. So we move to their wedding dinner uh, where they have this kind of it's very it's very casual. They're wearing she's just wearing like a suit and like I think this nice is more old timey though because it depends on your status and where what city you're in and what you're kind of wedding you would have. House and that's what my parents did. They they've never had they I gave them a 50th wedding anniversary wedding but they hadn't never had a wedding till then. Oh. So they literally dated for six months and like got married and at a court at the courthouse here in LA. Um so I, th- I think that's normal back in the day. People would just be like, especially in 1942, there's like wars and shit happening. And people were like, I gotta get married before I get sent off. Yeah. Um, so they have a wedding piece at a Serbian restaurant. Mm-hmm. Which uh, his friend, uh, who we haven't talked about, his friend Alice, who he works with at the architecture firm, who his his partner and also, not part, his, his partner his at His assistant. Work. Yes, assistant at work. But also real cute blonde. And so I And also is- had met the kitty before he gave it to her. And the kitty like adored her. And they had a cute little moment where they kind of cuddled each other before the kitty got passed on, you know, and did not go well later. Right. So Alice finds the one Serbian restaurant in town, which they go to, uh, and they, they're all having a good time. And until they notice this very strange looking woman who is dressed far too fancy for this restaurant, giving Irina this strange look. And they, someone mentions she looks like a cat, which she does. Uh, and she comes over and speaks to Irina in Serbian, uh, and repeats a, a very simple phrase twice. And then Moya Sestra. It's the same in Russian. It's Eastern oh. European. Da, da. I was like, oh, she's her sister. I was like, she said it. I was like, oh, she's my sister. Moya Sestra. Sestra's sister. There you go. So this shakes Irina badly. And she does not like that this woman called her sister and could speak to her in Serbian. Uh, so this kind of. And she, she also already, looks like a crazy cat lady. Yeah. <laughs> 
So that kind of uh, puts a little damper on the wedding night and she and they end up spending it in separate rooms and they say goodnight to each other through the door where she has slumped to her knees in a very sad state. Well, um, right after, but before she tells him, she says, you know, some, she thinks something's evil in her. She confesses at this point before they're in separate rooms and she tells him, please be patient with me. Um, and she, cause she's still shook. We see her painting, uh, or sketching the next day and she goes over, she sees the little canary, uh, and goes in slutting around in the cage and reaches her hand in to start to play with it and has a very cat playing with creature look on her face. She's enjoying it, but, uh, it, the bird gets uh, so scared that it dies. And so now she has this dead bird in her hand and she does look sorrowful, but it's that kind of cat look of more sorrowful. My plaything is dead more than I've killed something. Yeah, it doesn't look good. No, <laughs> And what this is about look- a month after they've been married. So it's like she's had the, kept the bird alive for a month till she finally was like, I gotta get it, gotta play with it. Yes. Uh, and it, it gets even worse when she has this compulsion, uh, She, which she keeps saying afterwards that she has this compulsion, she couldn't stop herself, to bring the dead bird to the zoo and throw it in the panther's cage for it to eat, which she does and then kind of watches with fixation. Well, now she stands in front of the cage too. I think this is the time when the groundskeeper, the zoo groundskeeper is like, oh, hey, lady, because uh, she's there a lot, you know, in front of that cage. And um, it's like, things ain't going so well. She's like, oh, well, I've, you know, been married a month or whatever. And um, he was like, well, I know you can't be really happy right now because happy people go and hang out by the aviary and by the monkey cage. Anybody who comes over here by these cats, are, are they're not the happy people. <laughs> I like the the wisdom of the zookeeper. He's got yeah. it figured out. Um, so they, you know, finally, uh, she and Oliver have this discussion about her, you know, her past and how she can't get past it. And she doesn't know what to do. So he finds, he says, I'm going to find her, find her psychiatrist. 1942 uh, so, psychiatry yes. made me a little nervous. Yeah. And especially this guy, uh, Lewis Judd, um, who, uh, is, is the stereotypical kind of like, snotty smug i know better than you kind of doctor classic freudian like kind of like machismo misogynistic male and this is also the era we got to remember you know before like i think it's i forget what year exactly that women could actually even have their own bank accounts this is like way before that so husband anytime you went to the doctor if you were married your husband had to basically like vouch for you or kind of sign you in and out basically do you know what i mean though like this is like the era where like literally any movie made on your body had to be co-signed by your husband they're newly married and her well-being now falls underneath the jurisdiction of her new husband Oliver um and so he's got her in you know uh with the psychiatrist and we find out a little bit later too as Alice has actually recommended this freaking guy um which doesn't go well when Irina finds out but it turns out she's like talks about him that how he was like kind of handsy try to make out with her kind of try to kiss her he's that kind of doctor like right but he potentially could take advantage this mm-hmm. hypnotism on her and he's able to uh, get out of her in her fugue state what the problem is with w- what she thinks the problem is. This and it delusion, looks like an old-timey light machine, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this delusion that, you know, he, he thinks, of course, is all in her head, but she feels is real, is that the women in her village, uh, when they're angry or jealous, can turn into panthers. And that uh, if a lover kisses her, that she will be driven by her own evil to kill him. 
And especially if she's provoked by jealousy, there's a certain trigger. It's not that just that she's just going to kill him right away. It's that anything he does, like she can be triggered by and thinking that it's a, 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 a some jealous rage basically will set her off. Right. Um, and I like, but you know, of course this is a very Dr. Judd line, but she asks what she should tell her husband. And he says, what does one tell a husband? One tells him nothing. You go, okay. So then she goes home to uh, find Alice in her house with Oliver. And Alice, yes, reveals that she was the one who recommended Dr. Judd. And this is a very big affront to Irina, who is a very, very private person and had, you know, is very uh, secretive about these problems that she has. And she felt like Oliver betrayed her trust by telling Alice about what she what's happening. I would say that's an overshare. Like if you're dealing with marital problems and your spouse talks to the hot girl in his office about it right. and she gives you the doctor recommendation, I think it's totally grounded because like I would be fucking pissed as well. I feel we like, so like Alice has connections, right? She can know where to find anything. Also, he could also go find a doctor on his own because typically most psychiatrists, especially now our psychologists will not take certain people based on referrals. Do you know what I mean? Because if you're too close to a subject. So I think there's like a certain moral code that's also since then has been established within certain like parts of psychiatry and psychology that would not actually take that patient because it's too close to that person or they would give you a recommendation. So I think that, um, that and also knowing that he's handsy and sending her there anyway was also kind of dubious. So I feel like there's also some sense of sabotage that's already been set up that's underlying that is bigger than than that. Wait, wait and we get this kind Have of Have I right dealt with here. mental health in a past relationship? I feel like this is coming <laughs> out in this episode so hard. <laughs> um. <laughs> So we get this kind of change in Irina here where before this, she's always been kind of like a cute, very smiley, you know, in love kind of character that now turns into this, this immediate jealousy, which kind of puts up this giant wall between her and Oliver. And now she feels like he's stepped over boundaries and she can't really trust him anymore. So she's, you know, we see scenes of her pacing with the animals and she's in the, in the zoo. Uh, and we find out that she's been skipping out on the, the, the more appointments she was supposed to have with the doctor and she just hasn't been going but has been telling Oliver that she's going so she's lying about that um and so she's very unhappy uh we have this scene which is this crazy monologue from Oliver where he confesses to Alice uh that he says he's never been unhappy I'm like, wow, man, you're like 35 and you've never been unhappy. He's a beautiful, I honestly, I had a moment, I laughed out loud during that. I was like, sheltered (laughs) white male of 1942. Yeah. A perfect job making ships. I'm an architecture for maritime architecture. I'm handsome as hell. Women think I'm gorgeous. I walk around town. No one's ever said anything wrong to me. Girls always fall at my feet and I've never heard no. Now all of a sudden I'm hearing no and I can't have this thing. And I was like, (laughs) Oh, guy. Oh, yeah. sweet, sweet, white 1942 guy. Um, <laughs> anywho. Like what, what kind of mindset do you have, sir? It's truly remarkable. Um, but in, He's in never had to com- think about things not coming his way. He's yeah. literally had everything happen perfectly for him. From uh, college, so he went to a good school. Like Everything happened great for him. So he's feeling uh, depressed for the first time in his life and is confessing this. To, he might be, you know, probably should be confessing this to his wife, but is actually confessing this to Alice. That's what who, I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. 
who then in turn confesses her love for him. And so, and, and it's this, you know, you should feel like he should hear that from his friend and go, Ooh, no, I'm married. But it is like, well, Hey, you know, he like my, my marriage because, isn't yeah. not working so well. Maybe plan B over here is going to work out better. Uh, so, you know, Oliver seems like a nice guy, but makes several decisions in this film. Like, mm. But he also tells Alice in that moment too, like, Hey, like I can't explain it. I'm drawn to her and I cannot tell you otherwise why, but I love her even though I'm sad right now. And I can't explain any, explain it other than that. There's something about her that compels him to be with her. And he just, he, even though he can't express how deep that need is, um, and he's never felt that with, he's under her spell and he's never felt that same way with Alice. She's like a chum, um, and a confidant obviously, but not more than that. But once the confession comes out, then he kind of sees her in a different light. Ding. Uh, so he goes home, Irina, he, he and Irina have a, a big fight and he just says, I'm going back to, back to the office. Um, and so goes back to the office, uh, but decides to go over to the coffee shop first. And, uh, well, not just decides there's like the cleaning lady who is right. one of my favorite characters. You She's like got her, her, her uh, little, of course. Like ash. I'm upset with the bit part and a stupid, weird little like bit. Yeah. Her little, so she's like, you know, she's the maid in the building and she's like got her little maid's uniform, whatever. And she keeps hitting on her, on her head. Yeah. And she's smoking a cigarette while she's mopping like character actor, one-on-one props, weird little uh, business to do smoking the ciggy, but she's also wiping off ash. She keeps ashing on her own freaking chest because she's got big old titties compared to everyone else in the movie. Cause she's the comedic <laughs> character. You know what I mean? They're like everyone else is like an a cup and she's got D's and she's like wiping the ash off her chest. And it's great. And she's like, Oh, she's right by the freaking revolving door. She's like, uh, uh, and he's like, I'll just go get a cup of coffee before I come in while you finish mopping this area. Like I won't fuck up your floors. Um, and uh, goes, but while, mm-hmm. while he does that, Irina calls the office just to be sure that really where he is, he is. And Alice, who is also working late answers the phone. So that's um, not making Irina happy. We find out that they have a cat who lives in the office uh, named John Paul Jones, which is kind of great. Um, and then uh, it is. so Alice goes, uh, actually uh, goes downstairs. The maid tells him, tells her that uh, Oliver's across the street at the diner. So they go over and have a little coffee together. Sally lungs or something, right? Or something yeah. like that. <laughs> but Irina sees them together in the coffee shop. And of course now thinks that his ploy was actually not to go to the office at all. was just to meet with Alice. So she's very unhappy. And meanwhile, though, before this, she had seen the zookeeper accidentally, because he's a little absent-minded, even though he's wise, zookeeper, had le- accidentally left the key to the panther cage um, by the panthers. Just want to make sure I drop that in real quick. Yes. Um, so she goes where she always goes back to that panther cage, basically, and like looks, you know, and, and longingly with the cats um, to contemplate life. And um, uh, so Irina starts to follow Alice as Alice leaves the coffee shop. Uh, and you have this kind of, you can hear the high heels behind her clicking in the After the she darkness. followed Oliver walking Alice down the street first. And yeah. he, he's like, yeah. you sure I can't walk you all the way home? And she's not as open as Irina was earlier. She's like, no, 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 no. You need to go home. I will walk myself home. But she is, yes, being followed and starts to get really scared um, and ends up uh, escaping on a bus, last minute bus, a late night bus. 
Uh, but the next morning, uh, they find a bunch of sheep that have been slaughtered uh, in a pen uh, very badly. And the, the great shot of uh, bloody paw prints on the sidewalk that turn midway into high heels bloody high heels well, there was like, not just bloody but also like muddy because the sheep pen yeah. was like muddy so you could see like little footprints in the mud that they had shown before too yes um and she comes home and oliver's there but she's just d- doesn't want to talk to him he's like nope nope going to my room see you she's later Bye. in mud yeah she looks uh, real guilty uh and goes right into the and takes a bath and it starts to cry in the tub and you're like oh yeah. Bathtub crying is never a good sign. No. That is like s- sad loneliness crying. Like the Where depth. You feel like you can't cry in front of anybody else and you just have to do it by yourself. Yeah, really. And sad. you need the sound of water or something near you so it doesn't sound like anything. Yeah. Uh, and, and she talks she in her to- sleep mm-hmm. um, during this moment. And uh, like, and she talks about um, what the psych, like about the psychic need to unleash evil and death and dreams of the key that she saw earlier by the, by the cage and thinking about unleashing this. Cause the psychiatrist had talked about her need to unleash the evil within. So she, uh, then it's that her dream, this kind of like psychedelic cat dream. And it keeps saying like the, the, the key, the key. So she ends up, uh, yoinking the key from the Pathos cage real sly. Um, and then, um, we have sh- the scene of Alice arena and Oliver in a museum, and they're looking, Alice and Oliver are looking at boat stuff in their like work capacity. And they're like, oh, why don't you go look at other stuff? I'm sure this is boring for you. And she's like, no, I want to be with you. And they're like, no, no, we'll see you in the lobby in an hour. And you're like, oh. So this is, this is what I'm talking about. Like when you confide in somebody else too hard and then that becomes your person because you're confiding yeah. in them instead of with your like actual wife. Mm-hmm. It's a problem. So um, he's confiding, you know, and they're hanging out and just looking at ship shit and like, oh, didn't you work on that? Oh yeah, that looks like the original blah, blah, blah. Oh wow. Like just nerding out over something that is just not in Irina's world. Mm-hmm. And so um, she loses, they lose her. They lose her. She just does. She just leaves. So yeah, they she, like go to wait for her, and she's gone. And so uh, then we, the next we see Alice, uh, who lives in this like 1940s ladies' rooming house, complete with like saucy receptionist uh, and pool. And Alice is going to go out for a late night dip. Uh, and there is a uh, a great scene where she's we never see anything, but she's in the middle of the pool because she hears growling, which sounds very much. She like dives a large in the pool cat. when she hears the growling yeah. just to escape whatever it is, so she's not on like on the ground. Good like final go move. I'm like in the middle of the pool. You got a little more, a little more leverage. Unless that thing's just going to jump right in the pool. I was like, <laughs> I don't think so. Cause swimming's hard and like trying to go fast and get away. Like mileage is, unless you're like a, like Olympic swimmer, you're right. probably not going to get away from a cat in a pool. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So it's very dark. <laughs> she hears this, you know, large cat circling her, but, but they don't like water anything. historically. So I guess maybe, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then, um, after she's, you know, screaming for help, Irina turns on the light and is like, Hey, what's up? You doing okay? I'm just going to peace out now. And it's just mysteriously there. Uh, and they find her robe, which she had taken off in the dressing room, torn to ribbons. 
Yeah, the receptionist so, is like, I didn't think anything of it. This sweet girl came and said she was looking for you, you know, kind of a thing. Like, well, okay, but who knows? So now these legends that everybody had kind of uh, poo-pooed when they had finally heard her talk about it now are going, eh, maybe she was kind of telling the truth. Yeah, Alice is bought in now. Alice is like, no, 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 I think she actually might be a crazy cat thing. Um, yeah. And this reminded me of like Sleepwalkers a little bit because yeah. of like the like kind of the how she turns and and how she terrorizes people and stuff too. So, uh, we have, we find out, uh, we go back to Dr. Judd who comes back into the story and, uh, we find out that he has a, a, a sword cane, which is always a good reveal when you're like, you thought that character was just one thing, but actually sword cane guys. Uh, and they do make a nice silver bullet reference, which I will appreciate that they're like, yep. we, we get it. We get the werewolf stuff. It's not what this is. This is something different. Um, but when Judd finally does see Irina again, uh, it's just, so terrible to her and first of all tries to kiss her and then well, because she to, says like, like if her away well yeah because he's like well um he basically yeah he's like an ultimatum like basically hook up with me or i'm going to send you to an asylum um you have to prove to yourself that if you kiss me we'll be fine yeah because she says if i find myself in the embrace of a man and i kiss him then i will have to kill him basically so, so he's, he's like let's test it out yeah like an idiot because he doesn't believe it but yeah. It proves so, out to be true. <laughs> yes, it does. Pretty damn true. Um, so that, but Dr. Judd kind of, you know, you get like, yeah, I kind of get what you're coming for getting to you, man. Um, so then we have Irina, uh, this horrible scene between Irina and Alice where she's now feels kind of the sense of closure and she's going, she's moving on. And now she, she knows that it's true. And so she can kind of be with Oliver now and comes in with this kind of sweet, bubbliness we haven't seen from her in a while. I was talking about she loves silence and she loves loneliness, all these things. Um, and then Oliver's like, eh, I love Alice. It's kind of over. Like, oh. Yeah, she's like, he's like, I would have loved to hear this like a few weeks ago, but it's too late now. I'm already in love with somebody else. Bye-bye. So he and um, Alice and um, the doc like meet up at Sally Lung's little coffee shop again and talk about her, like what they're going to do. Like basically they're like, do we commit her or because like you're not, or do you get an annulment because you haven't actually consummated the marriage? It's a possibility still. But he's like, no, I'm responsible for her because this is like back in the day when the husband had to sign off if you're going to go into the crazy house. So they go back to try to confront her back at the apartment to try to figure out what they're going to do. And She's this is the there. final battle. She's not there. Are like, well, she's not here. They wait up and wait up and wait up. She does not show up until nope. Doctor Judd. He fixes the lock. So he does this slight little thing where he says he's going to get his cane, but actually, like, makes it so he can get back into the apartment. Uh, Alice and Oliver decide to go work because that makes sense. Uh, and that's what they, they do. Get, that's how they bonded. Yeah, they're just like, oh, what are we going to do in this stressful situation where you can't find my wife, who's maybe insane? That's well, they work. also like, where else are they going to go? They've already been hanging out at Sally Lungs all day. They waited at the apartment. So they're like, might as well go there. And like, that's the other place where they're together. Also, you said they didn't have a lot of money for sets. This is probably the other set they had to go back to, right? <laughs> sure. Um, but in the office, fucking Panther. Yeah. So they have to, what do they have to defend themselves with? But architecture tools, they have this kind of drafting stick that he holds the up drafting as a ruler. Cross. It looks like it's a so crucifix good. in the shadows. It's so great. Sorry. It's yeah. so great. It's really great. <laughs> I was and like, it works. It, it works. It works the, the, really well. And it freaks her out and it pulls her, it sends her away because that was one of the things that stopped. But King John used, it looks like the like iconic read that they had earlier in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, but they, but they are, they do smell Irina's perfume, 
her very uh, distinct perfume, which we mentioned earlier in the film. Uh, so now uh, Dr. Judd has let himself back into the apartment under the not knowing uh, and waits for her. Uh, and she does change into a cat, uh, but he has his trusty cane sword. So they have uh, a battle in the apartment um, and he ends up stabbing her in the shoulder with his cane sword. Yep. Uh, and uh, she's, so she's wounded, but she's able to kind of hide in the shadows and escape. Yep. Uh, and then the old lady neighbors, I love these old lady neighbors. They're like little arsenic old lace or whatever that show up. And they look so elated that they found the dead guy and they let everybody yeah. when Alice and Oliver come back. Like, oh, he's dead. Yeah. Uh, we called the police already. We're, we're, we're good. Police are on the way. <laughs> they look so pleased with themselves. Yeah. They've done their neighborly duty. So Irina runs uh, to the cat cage down at the zoo. Mm-hmm. And she, as she has the cane sticking out of her shoulder, she goes yeah, and she lets like, the so, panther out. Sort of like broken off like halfway in her in her arm, but she still has that key. Yes. Goes to let the, can- the panther out. Not terribly sure of her motivation here. I don't know if she's willing the panther to kill others, like go on a rampage, or if she wants it to kill her, which does when it jumps on her. I thought she was framing it so that there wouldn't be some weird like story oh. that she was the cat person. Do you know oh, what I mean okay. though? Cause like at that right time, she's like, okay, set that cat out. That cat ends it up getting run over anyway. Immediately, um, immediately. Immediately. But it looks like he was the one that like, they could justify that that was the cat uh, that was loose maybe. Do you know it. what I mean though? Like even though she's going to fall over in front of the cage, but I thought she was framing the other Panther, but that was my weird. No, that makes a lot more that. sense of mine. And then uh, they, like, she never lied to us about anything. Like, either way because she kept telling them like i've never lied to you everything i've said is totally the truth but she sounds insane but now they realize she did never lie to them so then we have uh, we had beginning quote now we have end quote uh but black sin hath betrayed and to endless night my world both parts and both parts must die holy sonnets by john dom so i like an opening quote and an end quote rarely seen yeah it's beautiful uh, this movie's great. This it's beautifully shot. The performances are wonderful. It's an intriguing story. You really don't know if she's telling the truth for the majority of the film, and so you're kind of going along with the characters. Is she telling the truth? Is she insane? And uh, turns out she can really turn into a cat. Yep, pretty cool. But she not really as well. cat people. No, she fights it the whole way. She doesn't want to be a cat, but she's got to be a cat. So, but that's also that's always the kind of the debate, right? Of the werewolf is this beast side that takes over that you have no control over. Um, it'd be so much cooler if you could control it. You could just be like, I'm going to cat out now. But she knew she wouldn't be able to. That was kind of her thing, why she didn't want to ever love him. And that was the wall that she would never be able to fix. Um, just sad that she would never be able to let him go knowing that. Do you know what I mean? Though, like that would have been the honorable thing, honestly, but she was so compelled. And so was he. Yeah. I mean, it's so sad that you, you, you don't get to control your cat instincts and also you can't ever kiss anybody. That's sad too. That is definitely uh, lonely. Well, she says she loves loneliness, which is good because she lives a lonely existence. All right, goer factor one: not enough blood to fill a Dixie cup. Two is a puddle of blood. Three enough blood to gross out the average viewer. Four bathtub of blood. Five run for the barf bag, and we give this a zero. It's no there blood. Is no, gore. no blood in this film. That doesn't make it a bad horror film, guys. It just means it's a different kind of horror film. Yeah, it just means it's like black and white and no blood, but like lots of suspense and like, oh, and cut twos. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then next up we have chainsaws. I forgot to put that in front of me again, but one zero to five, five chainsaws. chainsaws. One, if you're desperate, two barely qualifies as a horror film, three, seen worse, seen better, four, not too, not shabby, too shabby, and, and five, five 
fantastical. Um, I gave this movie a five. I thought it was fantastical. I really enjoyed it. I really thought it was really well acted, really well written. I was surprised. I was uh, upset. I was happy. I had all the feels through this movie, and um, I love it. I'm giving it a five. All right. I'm giving it a four. Not too shabby. Um, I really, really enjoy it. Uh, I thought it was all well done, um, and I would recommend watching it. Highly. So uh, next week, we are going to be doing a film that is a little seen sequel to a really big film. Uh, so we're going to be talking about The Rage, Carrie 2. 2. <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. Electric Boogaloo, yes. We'd have like two subtitles, would be great. So, uh, uh, you know, we've all seen Carrie, but have we seen Carrie 2? Let's find out. I may have seen it when it came out in the theaters. Terry, I'm sure you have not seen it, so we'll get to talk about it. Nope, did not. The 90, it came out in 99. Nah, it was right before we met, Julia. I know it was so many years ago. Uh, thank you for listening to us talk about the cat people. We hope that you will be joining us on our social media feeds for some awesome discourse. Yes. Some gifts, some polls. Uh, and also we do have a Patreon. If you feel like subscribing and or supporting, we are always uh, very grateful to the people who like the show and let us know. Right. And I really wanted to talk about cats in relation to cat people, but I didn't ever bring that up together. So maybe that's for the Patreon. Okay. <laughs> I still have not seen that hot mess. Uh, oh my I God, Julia. Some stories. It's cat people's definitely better than cats. I will tell you that right now. <laughs> yeah. It's not saying much though, right? We got a lot of things that are better than cats. Let's yep. just say that. Pretty much everything's better than cats. Sorry, cat. <laughs> Sorry, cat people who love cats. Um, <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. We will see you next week for The Rage, Carrie 2. <laughs>